um, you would take some notes. Just take some notes. It would be really cool if you take some notes because uh, uh, Pastor Pam said something uh, earlier, and a good picture of it is, is found in Mark, the fourth chapter, where uh, Jesus taught a parable on the sower and the seed. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. He put this parable out. He says there was this guy who came and he was throwing some seeds on the ground. And, and when he did, the birds came and ate it up. And, and then um, some of the seeds landed on this hard ground. And when the sun came up, um, because it didn't have any roots, the, the, uh, the sun came and burnt it up and scorched it. But some of the seed um, fell in this area of soil, but it had a lot of thorns in it. And when the thorns sprang up, they choked the seeds, and it didn't, it didn't bear any fruit. And then there was this other uh, amount of seed that fell on good soil, and it produced like 30 times as much as the seed, or 60 times as much, or 100 times as much. And then he said, you know, uh, take heed how you hear. Be careful how you hear. And later on, <clears throat> excuse me, later on, the, di <laughs> the disciples came back, and he's receiving it, right? He's receiving it. The disciples came back to him later on and said, hey, what did that mean? Jesus responded to them and said, well, if you don't get that, how are you going to get anything? Let's talk about it. And so he then began to unpack what he said. And he said something that was very interesting. He said, Unto you, because you came back to hear about it, you're going to get a greater level of revelation. Mysteries are going to be unpacked and revealed to you. And so for years, I've taken that for myself. When I was a, when I was a young musician in my early, early 20s, 21, you know, Pam and I met when I was, I was 21, and, um, and she, we, were both, we were both in our 20s. And uh, I used to play for the, the church that we, we came up under. And um, I wanted to know what the pastor was saying. But I also knew that I didn't, I didn't want to miss any of it. And I was going to have to try and remember it again and remember it again. And so this is before the days of CDs and all of these media stuff that, that's going on today. So I went and got a box. I went and got a, back in the day, they used to call it a boom box. Um, boom box. All right, so for some of you that are older or younger um, and you don't know what that is, <laughs> uh, they used to take a, a big radio, put it on their shoulders, <laughs> and they would hear it. Well, anyway, mine had these two speakers on the side that I can remove. And so I'd be at the piano, and when it was time for the pastor to teach, I'd take the speakers off the side because I'd just use it to record and I'd sit it up on top of the piano and I would record everything that he said. And it wasn't so much as about him as much as I didn't want to miss what the Holy Spirit was saying and then I had something to go home and look at it again and look at it again and look at it again. Uh, a few weeks back I shared with you that I believe that repetition is the way of learning. And so when I teach, it would be really, really good. Take out your, note, your notepad. Sometimes I'll, I'll do it on my iPad or, or I'll go to the notes section of my phone. Or if, um, or if you still, you, if you don't go off of the U version on your Bible or some of the apps that have scripture and you just use your Bible, then get a pen. Get a, get a pencil. Get something and write notes on the side. Give, this is a statement that I use all the time, give the Holy Spirit something to work with. And Jesus said the Holy Spirit's going to bring everything back. This is what he tells the guys before he leaves. He says, the whole, before he leaves the planet, he says, um, the Holy Spirit is going to bring back to your memory everything that I said to you. And so we can help the Holy Spirit Give the Holy Spirit something to work with. And you can write something down. I'm going to say some points today that you should write down. So as you go home and you have maybe your, I don't know, your devotions in the morning or maybe at lunchtime you, you take a break and you eat, but then maybe you go sit in your car or in the break room and you just, you know, you try and regurgitate or remember, you know, God, what do you want to say to me? 
And some of you might even be having a hard day in relationships or family or coworkers or so forth. And, and you need, you need, Holy Spirit, fill me up. And then you can pull your note and say, oh yeah, I remember that statement that was said that was so inspiring. And now the Holy Spirit can give you more. So give the Holy Spirit something to work with. And when you come, don't just come and chill and, and just look. And I, 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 I detest, I know it's a strong word, I hate um, hero worship. Anything that's connected to that. And sometimes we can get into hero worship in a congregation, in a church, in the body of Christ, even while we're watching, you know, individuals on, on, the, on our television or, you know, maybe there's a, a conference or, or whatever. I don't like hero worship because we're only supposed to be worshiping the Lord. So if I'm teaching, you know, I really, it's cool that you encourage me or, or whatever. Wow, Pastor, it's a great word, blah, 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 blah. But please know that as God talks to me, he wants to talk to you. As God loves me, he, he loves you. You know, so, so all I do, and whoever will come up here, and you'll see different people come up here from time to time, you know, uh, whoever is up here, male, female, what, what, all we are is leading you to a greater awareness of what God wants to say to you directly and what God wants to say through you directly. So I'm going to be teaching for these next few weeks on a series entitled Catching the Scent of the House. So it's today is, is my first Sunday before you as, you know, leading the congregation now. I want you to understand what the scent is. What's the scent? What's the scent? You know, uh, when you, when you go to whatever department store and, and pick out your cologne or your perfume or, or whatever, he says, oh, well, you smell good. Well, you know, those are just my natural, you know, berries and juices. That's my, natural, that's my natural scent. Well, not always. Sometimes you go and you put something on. And you can leave an aroma. We were talking about this this past Wednesday. An aroma. And sometimes you can hug somebody early in the day, and later on, you'll hug somebody else, or they'll be around you, and they'll be like, oh, you smell good. And it could be one of two things. <clears throat> Excuse me. It could be, oh, wow, you smell really good. Who are you hanging around? Or it can be, oh, <laughs> who are you hanging around? <laughs> See, it's all in the delivery, and it's all based on, you know, what was the scent and there is a scent at High Street Worship. There's a scent. There's an aroma that we should be enjoying around each other. And there is an aroma that we should be giving out wherever we go. It's an aroma. And it's not for this congregation per se as much as it is. You know, the Bible says that in the book of Acts, a group said to those who were around Jesus, it says they took note that they had been around Jesus. There's an aroma, there's a, there's a scent that you give off that says you've been around Jesus. I don't want a scent that says I've been around Republicans. I've been around Democrats. I don't want that scent. I want the scent for people to say, wow, you smell like Jesus. You smell like Jesus. The presence of God is on your life. Let's try it out. Look at the person that's near you. Just look at them and say, do this. Do this. Say, you, you smell like Jesus. <laughs> you smell like Jesus. Isn't that what we want? We want to smell like Jesus. We don't want to smell like our culture. And there are things that can give us value, you know, but I don't always, I don't always, and I love, I love the fact that my mom and dad raised me and, and our heritage of African American. I love that. I met a beautiful woman this morning. Her name is Jennifer. Jennifer, wave your hand, Jennifer. Her name is Jennifer. Jennifer is from Columbia. She has the scent of that. Her culture, that's beautiful. 
You know, I, I love meeting you, hearing your dialect and, and hearing that. Sarah Leone, I met someone this morning. I said, where are you from? And when she said that, I was like, whoa. So that's good. And it shows that we come from a particular town, region, culture, nation. The Bible says we're also those of us who have accepted Jesus Christ and made him the Lord of our lives. We have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. The Father God welcomed us into his family by love. And it wasn't because we were so good. It was because of his great mercy. And when that happens, we became citizens of heaven. Well, heaven has an aroma. It's got a scent. And it's important that High Street Worship Center has that scent. What's the scent? And so as I begin to lead you, I don't want you to be confused about what scent I push. I push a particular scent. And it goes beyond gifting. It goes beyond abilities. It goes beyond education and style. It goes beyond your, even your own personal wiring. The scent that I'm pushing is from the culture of heaven. That's why I, I love when my wife gets to the end of most prayers she prays. And she says, Father, your kingdom come. Your will be done. That's what it is for us. And we want to make sure that the scent is around here, and that scent is just, it's all rubbing up from us. It's all flowing from us. The, John the Apostle, he says this. He says, the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts, and we can tell it. That's how we identify it. That's how we identify. You're around somebody, and you just, you just know, and you're like, at some point you say, are you a Christian? And they're like, yes, I am. I say, whoa. We had an interior decorator come to our house because we were, um, we were trying to just get, you know, do something. We had, I'd knocked a wall down. I'd knocked a wall down in between our bedroom and another room. And, but once I knocked it down, I couldn't figure out what to do. So <laughs> we're better together, right? So I, so I, um, I got a reference for this interior decorator and, uh, and I just, you know, called her out of the blue and set up an appointment for my wife and I. And she came in, and, and she's walking through all of the things. This is, you know, you should do this, you should do this. Here's a great idea, here's a great idea. And, um, and so she's leaving now. We're at the door, and she's leaving. And I said to her, um, you know, thank you for what you've done. I mean, it's really great ideas, great all of that, and, and I said, you know what? We're gonna be praying for your business. That's what, what Pam and I said, and we said that about, about her right at the front door, leaning against the railing to the steps, and said, we're gonna be praying for your business. And she like, she, what? She said, I knew you were a believer. And, and then it just, it just opened up a totally different conversation we were praying over each other right there. The presence of God came so strong. That's how it ought to be. And they don't have to be part of high street worship. But if we are at high street worship, it ought to be like that. That aroma should be coming out. And so I'm going to ask you to follow us. This, uh, the expectations are high. And you'll hear in the coming weeks what I'm going to be asking you to do. What I'll be asking you to do. I'm very straightforward. I'm very straightforward. And so to, today's teaching title is Catching the Scent of the House. Catch the Scent. And there are going to be times where things will happen in relationships. Things will happen in communication, and we're going to need to fight. We're going to need to do everything we can do to make sure the scent of the house represents or reflects the scent of heaven. 
This is even before, you know, it's here, and, and I'll, I'll bring it up. You're going you're gonna to know Ezekiel 47 almost backwards and forward. <laughs> because Ezekiel 47 talks about your temple and this temple and the temple you live in at home. All of them should represent the culture of heaven, the scent of the house, the aroma, the aroma. And so there are four things. And before I, before I go teaching, let's, let's uh, because we want, we want that, um, remember I, I shared with you out of Mark 4, and when you get a chance, that was a great example. I shared Mark 4 early on. When I shared Mark 4, and I gave a sort of a general overview of Mark 4, you should then say, hmm, Mark 4, let me write that down. Let me see what he said about that. I'll have to come back to that. That's the simple way. It's the simple way of giving the Holy Spirit something to work with. You don't have to be in here writing the whole time. Just, just make a note so the Holy Spirit can come back. So <clears throat> what I want to do before we go any further is just invite the Holy Spirit to open our eyes. Because if he doesn't open our eyes, we won't get it. And it doesn't matter where you are, whether you're 80 in here, which is valuable, in your 70s in here, valuable. 60s, valuables. 40s, 50s, valuable. 30s, 20s, valuable. Teens, valuable. What am I suggesting? Everybody's valuable. In fact, look at somebody and say, you're so valuable to me. Come on, look, look at them. Make sure they see you. Make sure they see you. And if, if any of you look, look around and if you see anybody sitting by themselves and yell it to them. Look around. You see anybody sitting by yourself? You yell it to them. You're so valuable to me. Valuable. You're valuable to me. All right? So, so let's, invite, let's invite the Holy Spirit in. And um, even though I'm leading in prayer in this, you join me and add your faith and your prayer together with me. Holy Spirit, we know you are the, you're the shepherding spirit. You're the one that was left for us to teach us, to guide us, to help us, to comfort us, to reveal for us. And so everything that is shared this morning, I just ask you to open it up. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. I want to see you. I want to see you. And I want my, my sisters and my brothers, older than me, younger than me, that are here to see you. This is the posture of our heart. For what you want, High Street Worship, all of us at High Street Worship, to know and understand this morning, help us. But not just for High Street Worship, those who may be visiting or those who may be watching online, all that are hearing this, open our eyes to see through your lens and we thank you for it, in Jesus' name, amen. So 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, and as I start this teaching, remember the title. The title is Catching the Scent of the House. And if I were talking to a different crowd, I would have said Catching the Scent of the Temple but you understand house, but it can also be temple. This, this is the house of prayer. Pastor Paul was so encouraged when they were singing, <clears throat> when they were singing a couple, uh, Saturday of last week, you know, make, <laughs> make me a house of prayer. Make this a house of prayer. He said, I want my house to be a house of prayer for all nations, for all nations. But it's a house. It's a temple. 
And whether it's this temple or the temple, the temple that you have dedicated when you purchased your home or the apartment you live in, or even if you live in a room, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And let us not look at how people live their resources and then judge them either for God or not for God, blessed or not blessed, based on the amount of resources they have. Paul said, whatever state I'm in, I'm, I'm learning how to be content. If I have a lot, I'm satisfied. If I have a little bit, I'm satisfied. Why? The Lord is with me. And if I'm at that stage of life, it is a valuable stage of life. And I'm not going to wait to rejoice in God until I get the car or when I get the bigger house or when that loan comes through or when I have my degree. I don't want to wait until then. Whatever state I'm in and whatever size the house is, I want to appreciate myself. I want to, I want to be better because it's important to steward what you have. So if your house needs to be clean, clean your house. God gave you the house. And if it's just an apartment, don't just leave it a mess. No, clean it. God gave you that. Well, I'm gonna really start taking care of it when I get that new house. No, appreciate the one you have now. Paint the one you have now. Wash the dishes in the one you have now. Hang up the clothes in the one you have now. Vacuum in the one you have now. Doesn't matter how big it is. Yeah, it doesn't matter how big it is. Appreciate what you have right now. And even, you know, as, as our sister Amy shared earlier, this is our house. Take care of the house. Take care of it. That's not to bring you shame. It's to say, God, this is, this, is, this is on loan. He loaned me this house. God is the one that gave me this. So I want to take care of it. I want to take care of it. I want to be careful to watch what I put in it. I want to make sure it gets proper sleep. Because this house in the Lord's hands needs to be around a while. But even as personally, even for me, as I, as I strive to trim down and lose a, little, lose a little weight, I'm trying to get there, Amy. I'm trying to get there. I thank God for who I am now. I thank God for who I am now. And so that, the, the depression and the shame even body shame that we have because we look at someone else and, and maybe their figure or, or their clothing or, or the way they've taken care of, you know, maybe their hair. And, and some of it isn't always because someone has done such a great job. Some people were born on third base. I mean, they're just, <laughs> they're just very attractive. Their hair is just very nice. You know, and so you have to be able to say, well, God's blessed you with that. But you know what? I'm grateful for what God gave me. So I'm not going to spend all of my products, <laughs> all of my money on products to try and get to this level based on the culture. Is this making sense? Wave at me if that makes sense. It makes sense. So let's take care of ourselves because God has given us the house. But the house itself, the house itself should be one that is dedicated to God. Dedicate your house to God. We dedicate this place to God. Weeks. You guys aren't always here, but weeks. I'll come in and I'll, I'll get on the piano and I'll, I'll play a song. That's re reflective in Second uh, Chronicles 7 after, after uh, Solomon built the temple. He said, Lord, fill this house. Fill, fill this house. Fill it with your glory. Fill it. So that everyone who comes, they're changed by your presence. Not changed by me. Not changed by the style of worship that we have in music. Not, not changed by the, the beautiful wood and the stained glass windows and the pews and the carpet and the altar. No, changed by his presence. His presence. And so that's for this house. But you should also dedicate the house you live in. Dedicate the house. 
It'll keep some arguments down. Dedicate it. Dedicate the bedroom. Dedicate the kitchen, the bathroom. Dedicate it. Lord, this is your house. But not just that we had a ceremony, but that every day I want to make sure the aroma of the house reflects the aroma of heaven. All right? And then that last house is your physical temple. Make sure that when people get around you, they can tell that you've been with Jesus. People being able to tell that you've been with Jesus is not because of the way you say hallelujah. Or that you say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, wow, you must be a Christian. Or hallelujah. Wow, you're real spiritual. That's not how you know that the aroma of the Lord is present. There are four things I want to give you, and these I do want you to write down. I don't want you to guess. Is that something I should write down? No, you need to write this down. There are four, four identifiers or indicators. This is overall, and you're going to hear a lot of different points as we go into the months because part of my job um, as, as, as a leader here, my responsibility is to position you so that the Lord can flow through you and we can change the counties that we live in. And whether that's Burlington Township or Burlington City or wherever you are. My, my wonderful brother I met this morning, with, I met him already, but we were talking this morning. He lives in Medford. There are others who are in Deptford. There are those who live in Cinnaminson. There are those who are in Willingboro. There are those who are in Marlton. Maple shade. Wherever you are, God wants you to be able to reflect him. And so we're going we're gonna to get tight with this. We're going to get really, really tight with this. Here are the four things. We are getting established here. We're going to build on top of what pastors Paul and Kathy have laid for the last 13 years. We're going to another level of leadership. And when I say leadership, I'm not talking about those who are up here. I'm talking about you all being leaders and having the confidence that you're a leader. And so these are the four areas. Number one, we should be established as we look, as it looks at, as we look at the scent of the house, any of the houses, and all of them the same in terms of reflection. It should reflect love. Do you smell like love? Because I want you to know, if love's not in it, God's not in it. You can have all the other, you can have the, the bells, the whistles, the toys, you can have all that. If love's not in it, God's not in it. You can have the education, you can have the skill, you can have the, you can have the, uh, the, 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 the wisdom from experience. If love's not in it, God's not in it. So love. Second, unity. Unity. We got to be of the same mind, same heart. The Bible says in the book of Acts that the presence of God came when they were all on one accord. In a little bit, we're going to read some scripture. I love reading the Bible. We're going to read the Bible. We're going to read the Bible. And some of it I'm going to go through quickly. So you need to write down the passages so that you can go home and you can read it. What we do in here corporately, it's really cool. You get to hear overall. But then when you go home and you, when you get with your other brothers or sisters, um, Holy Spirit, give me more. And I'm not the kind of leader that says, you can only be taught by me when I'm in here, when you're in here. This is your teaching. No, the Holy Spirit is going to give you more, and it's going to be even more specific to where you are and his plan for your life and his plan for those that he wants to work, he wants to get to through you. So what's the first of the scent? Second one? Third one is Scripture, the Word of God. I'm not ashamed to say I read the Bible. I was talking to Dino earlier in the week. Raise your hand, Dino, so people know who you are. Raise your hand high. Hi, Dino. Hi. There you go. 
And, um, and we're talking about just the whole idea of get disciplined in reading scripture, getting disciplined. And he said some really cool things about that. And it connected with my heart. Read the Bible, read the Bible, read the Bible. And we've got some great guys here. Uh, 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 Isaac, I don't know if Isaac's in the room. Is Isaac in the room? Isaac's not in the room. And um, uh, there he is. Isaac's at the door. Isaac's at the door. Isaac and Jeff, raise your hand, Jeff. They, they teach on Sunday mornings, you know, just discipleship, how to get disciplined in God how to grow in God. And that's coming from Jesus's command. He said, go and make disciples. Sometimes we need to know how to do it. So the word of God is important. It's important. So love, unity, the word of God, and um, humility. Humility. So we're going to unpack those. And then um, next Sunday, um, we'll talk about some fuel for that. And that really is the Holy Spirit. Because you can't do any of these things without the power of the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, all you have is just sort of a big head. And you're puffed up. Because you're like, I do this, I do that, I do this, I do that. And knowledge puffs up. But love, anybody know? Builds up. Builds up. And so love is one of the fruit of the Spirit. And it's linked right in there with humility. And so the first passage that I'm giving you, because I'm, and I don't say this with the ego or cockiness or any of that. I say this based on what Jesus says. And I'm very deliberate about this. So I don't want you to miss it. I don't want you to miss it. And when we start talking about wiring and, and the, uh, uh, the characteristics of unity, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll deny some of the whispers that says, you know, who does he think he is? <laughs> but I need you to follow me. I need you to follow me. You know, when Jesus showed, on, showed up on the scenes, he said, um, because rabbis um, in that day, they really put a whole lot of demands on the people that were following them. And it was, the term was yoked. They would yoke them and burden them down. When Jesus came, he's like, follow me, and my yoke is easy. What I'm going to be asking you to do is easy. The burden that I'm putting on you, it is light. And so I'm, I'm following him. And if I ever get to the place where I'm not following Jesus, stop following me. Please stop following me. The only time I want you to follow me is as long as I am following Christ. And that's really what Corinthians says there. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, and I'll read it out of two versions. The first one I'll read out of is the King James versions. I like versions because sometimes they have words that color it, and it helps us to really understand instead of just the these and the thous. And that language was important back then, but we've got some more modern language. And thank God some of the translators have unpacked it by the Holy Spirit in a way where we can understand really what was the Spirit of God trying to say in that. So you, put, you guys put up on the screen 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, and look at what it says. Well, go to the King James Version first. King James Version uses the word follow follow. And it says, follow me as I follow Christ. Everybody say that out loud. Say, follow me as I follow Christ. That's the picture. Now, the New Living Translation adds a little color to it. It says, and you should imitate me as I imitate Christ. Now, he's the one. He's the one we're all following. You know, the, whether they're pastors and leaders, excuse me, leaders of congregations in, in New Jersey, Philadelphia, Delaware, Maryland, you can talk anywhere, even all over the nation and all over the world. Sometimes we can get off track and it can just be the, again, the hero worship thing. Follow me. I'm your leader. Follow me. No, if I'm your leader... I am serving at the pleasure of our king. 
So it's all Jesus. Everyone say, say, it's all about Jesus. When it stops being about Jesus, we need to have a quick exit. Stage left, stage right, <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter. Just be out, please. And I say that with sincerity. And if you see me and I'm not following Christ, number one, stop following me. Number two, pray for me. And you'll find that out over the next couple of weeks as we unpack the unity and the love piece. And sometimes we see things that are off and all we do is point out the issues. All we do is gossip and slander and complain instead of saying, God, help them. God, bless them. God, open their eyes. So if you ever see me, and this is for Pam and I both, if you ever see us and we're not following Christ, please stop following and then pray that our eyes are open. Will you guys help us with that? Yeah? Okay. Because we need your prayers. We need your prayers. But he says, be followed, King James. He says, be followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. The New Living Translation says, you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. So now let's look at those four points. And we're not going to get through all of it today. We'll, we'll get it through as much as we can, and then we'll unpack a little bit more on Wednesday. And this is a series. This is a series. So it's going to be, the Holy Spirit's just going to build and build and build. And uh, every day, all throughout the week, say, Lord, what do, you, what do you want to say to me about that? Because whether it's in here, we've had all kinds of different dynamics in here, relationships in here. And you're going to see, and the Holy Spirit's going to call some things out to your mind. I'm not going to call it out. But in your mind, he's going to call some things. In your heart, he's going to call some things. Because there are people in here who have offended other people, and the Holy Spirit's going to say that's not love. Or that's not unity. Or that's not the scent of heaven. And we want to make sure that this culture, this atmosphere, this aroma here is representing heaven. Love. So love's the first one. I want you to write down the definition. Love. It is the God-given ability to view another as valuable and precious. I've said it in the past here and this morning. I already told you to go around and say, you're valuable to me. Valuable, valuable. Valuable and precious. And I'm, you know, I'm a love guy. I love, I love to love. And it's because God has loved me. It's not like I went and did this big study on love. I was talking to a young man the other day. He was, I think he was 20... You know, 22, and he sent me a text. He's like, are you available? And I was in the middle of a board meeting, and I said, I can't, I can't uh, physically talk, but I can text, because I wasn't leading the meeting. I was just in the middle. Of, I, said, but, I said, but I can text. And he started telling me some of the things that he was going through and, and all of that. And then we, we ended up getting on character. We got on character, and, uh, and he said, um, and I said, so, so how many people know that you're a Christ follower? And he's like, uh, well, you know, I really don't tell too many people. I said, okay. Um, he said, I tried to tell people before, but um, my family and my friends started to ask me the kinds of questions that I couldn't answer. And so I don't, I don't know the Bible like that yet. I said, that's cool. Um, I said, but it really isn't based on how much you know as much as it is your story. What is he... What does he mean to you? See, that's the real reflection. And as we talk about love, it's not like you gotta go do a big study. It's not like you gotta go to seminary and do this big degree and know all the translations. That'll help. And the more you read the Bible, the more context can come and you'll have more to give the Holy Spirit to work with. But, I mean, look at the guy who was blind. The guy who was blind and Jesus came and healed him. He would say stuff like, he said stuff like, all I know is, and they were trying to grill him. What happened? Who did it? What was their title? You know, and he's like, I, guys, I don't know that. All I can tell you is based on my experience. I was blind, but now I see. And so really, when you go to reflect the love of God, it's really based on what he has done for you. And I'm not this love guy because I've got all All I have is that I remember him. 
rescuing me and saving me and strengthening me. And hear this, forgiving me. I remember him forgiving me. From the enemy trying to make me feel shame and hopelessness, because of a sin that I committed or something that I did wrong or some state I was in, he came and rescued me. So it's from that posture that I love. I love because I've been loved. That's the deal. And I don't have to have scripture and verse. I'm giving you that so that you can get stronger in it and stronger in it. And so the things that God says and the reasonings behind it, like David, he says, your word have I hid in my heart so I'll be stronger when I'm under attack. At the end of the day, I love because he loved me. And the longer you remember the love, then the stronger it'll be when you go to share it out and give it out and stay in a state of remembering his great love for me. How's your memory? How's your memory? Do you, do you remember what he did? The Apostle Paul says all the time, he says, I was, I was traveling on the road I was on the road to Damascus, and I had an encounter. And at the end of the day, because I was killing Christians, let me give you some color, I was killing Christians, and here I am running against the head of the church. And he could have wiped me out, but he loved me. And so throughout all of the epistles, Romans, Galatians, Ephesians, Corinthians, you know, uh, Philippians, Colossians, all throughout Timothy, even those that he was mentoring, he said, I'm a slave, but I'm not a slave based on um, the fact that I'm being forced to do these things. I'm a slave because he changed me and I love him and I will do anything for him. He's my king, he's my Lord, He's my master, but it's based on love. It's based on love. That's why this isn't an age thing. It's not, a, it's not an education thing. It's not a wealth thing. It's not a, it's not a race thing. It's not a political thing. It's a heart thing. And that's really what unites all of us. He saw me as valuable and precious, so now I see you as valuable and precious. But in the fifth chapter of the book of Ephesians, he says, that word comes up again. He says, be imitators. And I want you to write that, that passage down. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 to, 11, 1 to 10. Ephesians 5, 1 to 10. And listen to what he says. He says, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life of love. The King James Version says, be, be therefore imitators of God and walk in love. I mean, right off the bat, imitate God, walk in love. Imitate God, walk in love. But then as it goes further down, he says, don't get this love thing off. And he begins to talk about, what does he say in that, in that next verse? Um, uh, uh, he says, uh, oh, no, I'm sorry, go back for a minute, go back for a minute. I'll read the whole thing. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you're his dear children. Here's the imitation. Here's the imitation. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. Remember, follow me as I follow Christ. So here we go again. And what did he do? He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice. Remember that word sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. So that's the picture. When you love, number one, you look like God. But number two, whew, it's going to be a sacrifice. It's going, to be, it's going to be a sacrifice. Please don't think that this love thing is this, oh, I love you, oh, I love you, oh, so nice. Oh, I love that we're together. Oh, this is great. That's there. Until you offend me. Until you say something that hurts my feelings. Until you do something that goes against what I agree with. Can I love then? Because in, in Ephesians chapter 2, it says, while we were sinners, 
Christ died for us. So the love happened for us. This is the aroma that went up to, to the Father. While he was beaten, he loved. When those who were close to him left him, he loved. That's why this, this love thing is a sacrifice. Let's make it real here. If there are people within the congregation that have hurt you and offended you, who have, who have hurt your feelings, who have said things that you disagree with, sacrifice time comes. Holy Spirit, help me to, this is what it looks like, help me to see them as valuable and precious. Not because we agree and everything is perfect, no. There's a difference here. And in this difference, I still need, by the power of God, to view you as valuable and precious. Let's take it to the next level of the temple. Now everything's great in here, but what happens when you go home? And your wife, or your husband, or your son, or your daughter, or your mom, or your dad, or your brother, or your sister, or your cousin. Everything's not great. It's friction. There's a fence. Something was said. How long are you going to be in the bathroom? <laughs> Let's try this one on. How long are you going to be in the bathroom? I said I'm coming. Oh, gosh. Okay, now what happens? <laughs> that offense thing. Oh, 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 you talking to me like that? And now it starts to go somewhere, doesn't it? See, it's one thing to say we're a Christian. It's another thing to allow the Holy Spirit to grow us through challenge. The Bible says about Jesus, he learned to obey God through the things that he suffered, sacrificed. But he learned. That's why when Jesus said, hey, um, I'm not going to put this heavy yoke on you and this heavy burden but he says, take my yoke upon you. I'm your rabbi. I'm leading you. I want to yoke you up with something, but it's not burdensome. It's not heavy. But I want you to learn. Because ultimately, man, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. I'm not asking you to, you know, go and sell everything in, in terms of all your actual possessions. I'm not, I'm not asking you to do all these chants. I'm, I'm not asking you to, you know, to bring in this kind of leadership. In fact, he says, I call you friends call you friends. Philippians chapter uh, 2, it says, here is Jesus, and it says, let this mind be in you that's also in Christ Jesus. He says, I got a chance, I got a chance to show you that I'm equal with God. But I'm going to humble myself. I'm not just going to humble myself and say, you go first. I'm going to humble myself, and I'm going to take your punishment, even the kind of punishment that requires a cross and that kind of death. This is the guy we're following. And he says, look, you don't have to die on a cross, but you do have to die to your pride and walk in love. See that brother, see that sister is valuable and precious. And then when you go home, do it. And then when you go to work, do it. When you're around your friends. And whether it's the friends that all have gray hair or whether it's the young, cool friends. You got a lot of energy and you can hang out until 2 or 3 in the morning. And you get up two hours later and you're refreshed. For those of us whose hair is getting a little grayer, we need all eight. <laughs> Sometimes we need 10 hours of sleep. So my point is that this is for everybody. But you've got to have a great memory, remembering what love is. But what love isn't is that next verse. You put that next uh, passage up there. He says, imitate God, sacrifice. People are valuable. People are precious. That's what he says. Look at what the next one on on uh, Ephesians, there it goes. It says, uh, for us, a, a Jesus offered up to God a pleasing aroma to God. But then look what he says. This isn't love. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, greed. In other words, these are other things that you can love. 
And you can think that, yeah, I'm making it, I'm doing it, because all of those appetites are being taken care of. So that is not love. That, that's not what God represents. In fact, those, uh, God opposes them. And that's not to say that you should walk around pointing your finger and waving an accusing finger at them. I'll show you that in a minute before we, before we wrap this up. But it also says, don't you do it. Don't you do it. So you guard that part of you. And if there are those that you're trying to love and represent God, and they're in that, show them, show them, show them that that's not real love. Sometimes we think pornography and things like that is just, um, these are things that we're just, you know, we're watching this stuff. It's transactional. You know, I, 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 I got a phone or I have an iPad or whatever, or I have a television movie, and I get to, I look at that, you know, I pay for it, you know. It's not really when you start seeing that that guy or that girl is valuable and precious to the Lord. Oh, man. Now, you, now you're talking about the aroma of heaven. That's what keeps you from engaging in certain things because you, you have farsightedness. You see beyond. You see down the road. Um, Jesus is talking to this woman in um, Matthew chapter 4, and this woman has had six husbands, and she's with somebody that's now not her husband. But Jesus, in an attempt to love her, doesn't shame her. In fact, he invites her in, in relationship, saying, hey, can you serve me some water? Where if, you know, the normal group would look, it's like, yo, why are you asking for water from her? Or like when the girl was washing Jesus' feet because she had received so much grace and love, and the guys around who had been with her in a sexual way said to themselves, thinking that they're private, but the Lord can hear everything, if, they, if he knew who she was, he wouldn't be letting her wash her feet. If he knew, well, real question is, how do you know who she is? But Jesus did know who she was, and still he said, girl, I love you. Thank you. Thank you for honoring me this way. It was it opened the door. She's receiving true love from him, not the waving. So we got two things. Number one, let's not us think that love is in the sexuality area. It's not, unless it's between a husband and a wife, right? License. License. In order to have sex, you have to have a license. I got a license. I got a license. But that's not real love. That's the expression of true love under the guidelines of the Father. So don't think that, that that's, the, that's the deal. And society will have you thinking that. So that's the first one. Don't do that. But then the second piece is make sure we're representing. John chapter 3, verse 16. You know what he says? John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I wish they would have told me verse 17 as well when I was little. I would have, went, I would have avoided a whole lot of hopelessness and depression and shame because there were things that I did and said and, man... It took a while for me to catch it. I got born again at 11, at 11. But man, I didn't, know, I didn't get revelation on some of this stuff until I was in my early 20s. Uh, can you guys put up John 3 in the Message Bible for me? John 3, look at what John 3 says. John 3, 16. The first part is amazing. The second part, the companion, verse 17, it will blow your mind. John 3, verse 16, in the Message Bible, says this. I'll jump to it until they get it up there. I'll jump to it. John 3, it says this message. This is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son. 
And this is why. So that no one need be destroyed. Anyone can have a whole and lasting life. Listen to verse 17. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help. He came to make things right. That's why we always have to remember what God did for us. Because you can get born again, know it was God's mercy and his ongoing mercy, and you're like, oh, God, you're so good, you're so good. And then you run into somebody who made some mistakes or did some things wrong, and you start to, how could you? And you supposed to be. Look at you. Look at that. God didn't do that for me. God didn't do that to me. I don't have a right to do that to others. And I will tell you, there is a generation of teenagers and young adults that are on the verge of suicide consistently because of the shame and the hopelessness of decisions that they've made. And the church should be the ones showing the love of the Father. <clears throat> Excuse me, this woman who's got seven men that she's been with, because Jesus loved her, she went and won the entire city. You're talking about an evangelism, not based on seminary. There's another woman. They bought her to church, because here she and this guy, it's not her husband, having sex. It says they caught her, caught them in the very act of it. They grabbed her. Now, we're talking about temple now. They drag her into the temple, throw her down on the ground right in front of Jesus. As Moses says we're supposed to stone her. What do you say? When Jesus clears, I don't have time to go through the whole story, but when Jesus clears the church, <laughs> whatever he did, the Bible says at that point he started writing on the ground. Whatever he did writing on the ground, he says, whoever is sinless, you be the first one to throw the rock. So everybody, everybody left. But you know what the cool thing was? When everybody else left, here's this girl still here. There's something about Jesus' reception of her that keeps her here. Because she could have snuck out. So what, <laughs> listen to this. All right, so what are you doing that's keeping broken people close to you. What are you doing that's keeping them there? I'll go so far as asking you the question, how many friends do you have that are sinners? Because if you don't have a lot of friends that are not born again, then you are not following the mission of Jesus. He said, I came for the sick. I came for the broken. I came for the bruised. I came for the lost. So you better grab yourself some sinners. You don't know Jesus? Hey, let's go to lunch. <laughs> How else are they going to see the love of God? It is that God showed me love. God loved Terry. He loved Terry. He didn't love Pastor Terry. He didn't love this preacher that stands behind here. He loved this guy. With all my stuff and all my mess and all my brokenness. And now he says, go and... Show somebody the same love that I showed you. First in the church, and then in your family, and then everywhere else. Make sense? This is love now. And we're going to have to stop on love. We'll unpack some more stuff on Wednesday. Let's make sure this is the culture now. This is the climate. This is the scent. This is the aroma. That's why I talk to as many people as I can. And I was the scared guy. For those of you who say, oh, Pastor, I'm, I'm an introvert. I'm a... Man, God rescued me from some stuff. I had such confidence problems. I was the little guy. I was the little guy that was abused in West Philly while I was in elementary school. And so shame and fear and insecurity so what you're seeing 
is someone who has been rescued by the power and the love of God. That's all I am. I'm not this guy who, who went, to, you know, I got some education later and, you know, the, all that kind of stuff. But the strength of who I am is not in my degree. The strength of who I am is not in my title. The strength of who I am is not in my gifts. The strength of who I am is God love me. And I stay on that. That's why even Christian or family or I'm, Holy Spirit, help me to follow Jesus' example. And it hurts. Because sometimes somebody say something to you, hurt your feelings. I remember even as an adult, the ones that abused me as kids, I ran into them. It was weird because this person had like these hazel colored eyes, which made it even more, <laughs> you know, it was just a weird, it was a weird thing. And now here I am face to face, face to face with my abuser, face to face. Oh, man. So what do you do? You feel sorry for me? No. You worship me? No. We join in and say, thank you, Jesus. May we all do that because we all have our own stories. And that's in the church, in the family, in community. And so my rhythm is to show God's love all the time. Not just, I walk into high street, hey, Isaac, hey, Dave, hey, Jeff, hey, Vandell, hey, Amy, hey, Julie, oh, give me a hug, Edwin, hey, yo, hey, Lydia. No, it's a rhythm. So I see somebody who maybe was gossiping about me or somebody who was slandering me or somebody who offended me, hurt my feelings. Sacrifices, Holy Spirit, help me to see them through your eyes as valuable and precious. It's only Holy Spirit. And so we'll, uh, we'll unpack that on, on Wednesday. And let this be for us here, for anybody here who came in is like, man, I was just looking for Jesus. Those of you that may be online, you say, oh, really? I really need to know how God feels about me. I wrote a song once. Please let me know how you feel. And the verse to the song says, you know, I've been up all night. I committed this sin. And now I got all this shame. And Lord, I just want to know how, how you feel about me. Make it clear, make it plain, make it real. Open my eyes to see how you feel about me. And then the, the bridge comes with, I love you. And if you can believe me, I'll take your guilt away. Whew. I restore you. If you can believe me, I'll take your shame away. I'll use you. And if you can believe me, you'll go and tell others. Isn't that what David said in Psalm 51? He says, I'll teach transgressors your way, all because you showed me so much love. So if you're here like that, and if you're online like that, please know that the Father loves you. Uh, he, 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 he is crazy about you. And he's not concerned with your past because he has this red liquid agent that takes care of your past. And it's a blood that washes all your sin away. He's crazy about you. All he wants you to say is, Lord, come into my life. Change me forever. Let me feel the healing in your touch. Take the hurt away. And whew, he shows up. But for all of us, we need this to be our rhythm. A rhythm. A rhythm. And you don't have to have been on drugs. You don't have to have committed these heinous sins. You don't have to have been this horribly wicked, wicked person with actions. It's just, he said, I love you. And because you were separated from me because of Adam, I am drawing you close to me and inviting you into my family. Yeah, I love you. Oh, how I love you. So 
Scoot close to somebody. Scoot, scoot over. Just another person. Just scoot, scoot close. Make sure nobody's by themselves. So if you see somebody by themselves, y'all run over. Nobody by themselves. I need people with people. All right? Scoot over. Somebody, somebody, there you go. We don't want anybody alone. We don't want anybody alone. Nobody alone. You guys there? Say, can I put my hand on your shoulder? Oh, somebody said too late. Wow, look at you guys. Man, you know the enemy hates this? He hates this. So close your eyes and pray this prayer. Father, thank you for this gift that you have given me that I'm sitting beside. Thank you for showing me your love. And thank you for showing me how to love them. We get to practice in here so that when we get home, we know that we've got a crowd behind us that's cheering us on. Thank you for my friend. I love them because you love me. Thank you for the blood you shed for me and your body that was broken for me. I eat it and I drink it, proclaiming your death, your resurrection in my life. In Jesus' name. All right, so grab your communion. Did you guys get communion when you came in? If you didn't get it, just raise your hand real quick. We're going to go through this real quick so we can let you guys go. If you need a communion.